Sales Tuners, Episode 126, Greg Zepletnikov, Account Executive at Grammarly. Try to make your sales process as simple as, as you can for you and for your clients. You don't have to know just 1,000 techniques or sales tricks. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Marcel Proust, who said, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Today's guest comes to us from Kiev, Ukraine, a country I fell in love with last year, and one that surprised me by just how great the coffee was. Greg Zapletnikov spends his days at Grammarly helping customers build confidence in mistake-free correspondence. This offer goes well beyond just being a proofreading app, though, and more into enhancing clarity in all communication. Having been a paying customer for many years, I can fully attest to that. Being a non-native English speaker, Greg talks about the need to understand the underlying language and communication, how to get your prospects to reveal your value themselves, and why it's so important to bring simplicity to the sales process. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salesooners.com slash 126. But now let's get to the conversation where Greg tells me about falling asleep on a date after a rough day of negotiations. I had a really tough day. It was, uh, I, uh, we, I was trying to close the deal with one of our Australian uh, clients. It was, oh, I'm not sorry, not Australian, New Zealand one. It was a an e-commerce app and we were negotiating all the you know small uh small pieces of work that should be paid i have finished uh, around the midnight cave time i was so embarrassed because i actually fell asleep in right in the restaurant and it was it was a disaster, Jim. <laughs> but on the other hand, I closed the deal. I I closed the deal. So and you uh, this, you which deal? The the business deal or the date deal? The business the business deal. <laughs> the business deal. <laughs> but as for dates, uh, we're still we're we're still in relationships. So I'm I'm also to, so happy to to share that. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you closed both deals. So that's yeah. that's that's terrific. When you were just getting started in sales, uh, you know, look, English being from being from Ukraine, English is not your first language. It's not your second language. It's actually your third language. But you were taught to use baseball phrases and lingo in the sales process to, to in your words, to sound American. Talk to me about that, because, like, I mean, obviously, it's part of it's our national pastime. But what were some of those phrases you were taught, and 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 what what are you using them for? Uh, the notes I, I did uh, for sport idioms and phrases. So I remember better southern to be successful in everything you do. I, I, I do remember, you know, drop the ball like to make an make an error or mistake. Uh, like hit a home run, you know, like um, just in a ballpark and a full swing. Yeah, so <laughs> that was that was a really cool experience. And you know, just talking about sports uh, uh, sports phrases in sales, I guess the most common would be touch base. So when I when I follow up with someone, just 
hey, I just want to touch base with you, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy to hear that because th- that notion of touching base, like I, I, it is so ingrained in American yeah. society that I, I would not even consider that a baseball analogy, but you're 100% correct. It is a baseball analogy. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's wild to me. Wow. <laughs> So, so <laughs> yeah. you spend your days in Kiev, but what's what's your territory? What countries do you sell to? Well, uh, it's everywhere. Uh, so the uh, majority of our clients are based in in America, but we also have a lot of clients in Europe, and we're almost on the same time zone with them. And uh, it could be like China, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, all over the world. So talk to me about what you've seen as like the cultural differences. What's, what's been, and let's start with just between Ukraine and America, right? What's the biggest cultural differences you've seen there from a business perspective and sales perspective? The cultural differences, you could see it mostly in the negotiation process. For example, you know, when you, um, if you translate the phrase, how are you to Ukrainian or to Russian, the, uh, you know, uh, the people here will, uh, you know, it's not the introduction phrase and they will, uh, will give you more details on how they're actually doing today, what's happening in their life. So it's not the introduction phrase that um, uh, pe- uh, American, Americans just use on an everyday basis. And I can give you a lot of uh, such examples uh, about the cultural differences. But anyway, uh, you know, as being, being a sales rep means that you should know about all of them. Uh, and uh, that's why it's so hard for me to to uh, give you give you a few because I have more American mindset rather than Ukrainian at this moment. <laughs> that's interesting, yeah, because you're spending your time in that language. That's well, true. Yeah. But, th- but that's what's, that's what's been fascinating to me, Greg, is getting to see firsthand all the differences uh, in in culture and in language, right? And so I, I recently had someone on the show from India, uh, and you know he literally spends his entire day in India calling on. The, the United States. And very similar to you is he actually learned a lot of sports analogies. He had to get into that mindset so that he could not just sound American, but actually like relate to the things that Americans cared about. And, and here's why I'm bringing that up. So now as you and I are having this conversation, I'm sitting in uh, Melbourne, Australia. And one of the things I picked up here, or, or let me say, learn very quickly in, in Australia, you don't root for sports teams. Oh, rooting, rooting means something completely different. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're welcome to go Google that. But let's just say it's kind of X-rated. Uh, so you don't talk about rooting for sports teams, but I just find that completely fascinating. And it's, you know, just like you said, how are you is a very, very much a throwaway introduction in the United States. It just doesn't mean the same thing in Ukraine. But I think a lot of us, a lot of times as Americans, not even just as Americans, yeah, I will say as Americans, as Americans, no matter where in America we're from, we just assume everyone else is just like us. And we really do have to take the time to understand who is on the other side of the call so that we can get in into their heads. I know one of the things that you've told me, uh, Greg, is that you are always analyzing more than just the person you're talking to. You go in depth with the person, but you really try to understand the company, the position they have in their market. You try to understand the industry as a whole. Talk to me about that. What are you actually trying to accomplish when you do that research? 
first top three things that I will uh, research. It will be uh, an opposition. It will be the uh, just brief information about company in general. And third one would be uh, the research on the industry. So these three points will make me feel confident and I won't be surprised, you know, by any routes that this conversation or negotiation process may take me. Sometimes we, uh, we uh, receive an, an emails from uh, through our website saying, hey, I just need the quotes uh, for, uh, you know, for 10,000 10, accounts for company-wide, you know, to subscribe to Grammarly. But I know that uh, in the majority of cases, this person is just, uh, well, more likely is from analytical department and they just you know gather some um, information regarding uh, regarding the list of softwares right and this person is uh, like typically this person is not a decision maker so we're uh, I won't you know send I won't generate a formal quote for this person and I will just uh, put the the very uh, I don't know like the very minimum of information regarding our software explaining that we're uh, the price of software depends on number of features you would like to include depends on number of accounts and all other factors that also play their role in the in the pricing models we have so uh, like so I'm just curious whether this makes sense to uh, you know to schedule a, a call or or a Zoom meeting and discuss it with decision makers to uh, so I could you know send your formal quote you need and don't charge you for the feature you you don't need and don't require. And how does that typically go over for you? Do they agree to the call or do they say no no just just give me some ballpark pricing? It depends. It could be uh, yeah uh, like. It, 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 it depends on the company because if we just, you know, send them a quote for $100, that doesn't make any sense for, for them, right? So, and if I just, like, um, provide any, any other information, it, it also won't be, uh, won't be informative for them. So uh, anyway, we're trying to do our best to set up a, a call with decision makers and discuss it. Because uh, you know, because um, if if we just send in a, send in a quote, I'm sure it like on the ninety percent will be well, this opportunity would be would be lost. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've totally seen that. You know what's what's funny to me there, Greg? As I just asked you that question, I used the phrase, you know, just give me a ballpark quote, and once again. I, I was not even thinking about baseball. I was not thinking about sports because that's just how ingrained it is in, in our culture, in our society. So uh, I find that incredibly fascinating now that you've pointed it out to me. So I know that you are very much uh, a planner when it comes to planning out how a call is going to go. And that includes planning out all the questions that you're going to ask. Give me an idea what your strategy is there. What are you thinking about and, and how, what, what, are you, what are you doing before you get on a call? Greg, uh, one of the things that I think separates you you know, from your from your other colleagues, your other salespeople, is that intentionality behind your questioning. What what's what's driving that intentionality? Actually, the um, the reason I I use that I, I use that tactic and that method is that 
the reason uh, because it's actually a dialogue so it's not just you know a, a list of just formal questions that i had to ask and um no i i i, I don't like it you just uh, i just had a plan in my head and uh how how i can make a prospect come to a conclusion you know by himself or herself that uh, that our product will bring value to them so typically um this is the um this this is the the plan i have in my head <laughs> Well, I think that's fantastic. And I want to make sure I take a moment just to let everybody listening today really understand what you're getting at, right? So one of the things that I do when I train sales reps is I talk about, look, any statement that you want to make about your product or software, it's going to fall flat. It just is. But if you can find a way to take that statement and turn it into a question that will get your prospect to say the statement you wanted to make yourself, you won. And, and with that being your goal, uh, Greg, on the on your know, discovery calls, it, it's a fantastic one. And it literally, it does start to separate you from, from everyone else. And so I think it's fantastic. Greg, what is the biggest challenge that you are facing today? You know, every salesperson, including myself, you know, we had such a period in career when everything slips through your fingers and you're just stuck in the loop of failures that seems endless to you. I also experienced such a situation, you know, where all your, you know, like deals are falling off and that was the hardest thing to overcome because, um, you know, when you realize and when you analyze what went wrong, you just couldn't find anything that might lead to a bad performance. You did everything the same for a thousand times and it works smoothly, but suddenly it doesn't work anymore. So this is biggest challenge to be adaptable. And we also have here at Grammarly, we also have uh, two or five values called greedy and adaptable. So that's actually what you need in this situation. You know, just take a deep breath, try to think outside the box and continue selling, you know. So this is, um, this is the uh, hardest, um, you know, the hardest thing I had to overcome. Got it. Greg, I'm going to take a quick break so I can say thank you to my sponsors. But when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales sooners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back. And it's time for the money round. Greg, are you ready for the money round? I'm ready, Jim. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? I believe uh, it would be commitment. So when you're ready to fearlessly accept the goals that seems impossible to you and have no idea how you can hit the quota after, uh, after a year, and after a year, you suddenly just hit a home run <laughs> that makes you exceptional. So, uh, so yeah, I'll go with commitment. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? I guess it would be uh, finding your own selling style and understand who your client is. So I'll go with you know five days learning theory and following five days just checking how the theory, uh, theory and tactics works for you in practice. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? 
You know, Jim, I'll, I'll pick love to win because failures sometimes could be priceless because you can learn so many things from that. And all in all, that makes you a better professional. So, you know, losing could bring you much more rather than, rather than winning. So I'll go with love to win. <laughs> What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Oh, that's a tricky one because there are a lot of books I can I can recommend, like Influence the Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini, Predict- Predictable Revenue by Aaron Ross. But let me let me narrow the list for two books. So, uh, first one would be Spin Selling by Neil Rackham for your sales knowledge based, and the second one would be um, The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway for never giving up. <laughs> Absolutely. Sales Sooners, Greg mentioned a lot of great books there, but if you'd like to check out his suggestion of spin selling for free, head on over to salessooners.com slash book. There you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salessooners.com slash book to snag any of those for free. And I also do recommend The Old Man and the Sea, that notion of not giving up. When I was in Venice, Italy, I got to go to the bar where Ernest Hemingway sat and drank many, many days. It was fantastic. Greg, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? Well, at first I was about to say something about like visiting all countries, but uh, but then I just realized that the on the top of my bucket list would be that one day my kid just came to me, come to me and say, you know, Dad, you, you did a great job. I'm proud of you. That would be on the top of my bucket list. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Well, no matter what, product or service you're selling, try to make your sales process as simple as, as you can for you and for your clients. You don't have to know just 1,000 techniques or sales tricks. Just pick one or two and bet a thousand with it. So simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Greg travels quite a bit to the United States and said if you wanted to connect with him, either LinkedIn or Facebook would be the best and he'd love to strike up a conversation. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, speak a common language. As Greg was learning to sell, he was taught baseball idioms like batting 1000, drop the ball, be in the ballpark, and of course, touch base. But to many of you listening, these phrases have nothing to do with baseball anymore because they've been so ingrained into our normal lexicon. What words or phrases might you be using that make no sense to your prospects? Greg gave the example of the literal translation of how are you, a throwaway phrase we use in America that would make an Eastern European tell you all about their life. Number two, get your prospects to come to their own conclusion. Think about the last time you felt like you were sold something. I'm not talking about when you last bought something, but truly felt sold. How long did it take for buyer's remorse to set in? In every sales cycle, you should make it your goal for your prospect to find your value prop on their own terms. I like to do this by turning my statements into questions, where the answer from the prospect becomes what I wanted to say. Number three, make the sales process as simple as possible. Regardless of the sales methodology you use, whether it be spin or challenger or customer-centric or whatever it is, it's important to make the process itself as simple as you can for both you and the prospect. As you adapt the methodology to find your own selling style, you should be able to determine which parts come naturally to you and what parts need to be adjusted or even removed. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. 
Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.